0: Years ago, at this turn of the century, in Great Britain, every year you didn't have a birthday. They didn't call it that, they called it a a grace day. They called it a grace day because, in essence, you got gifts and everything, but you really didn't do anything to deserve the gifts. I mean, you were born, like you had something to say about that, right? So they called it a grace day. Grace is when you receive something that's not merited based on what you've done. Mercy is when you, something is extended to you though you've done the opposite of what you were supposed to do. God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. Aren't you glad about that? Sometimes when I was, uh, attending church, and I didn't know the Lord yet. I wasn't saved. They used this word, born again. I, I didn't, I wasn't really on board with it. It sounded like something out of the 70s when I was a kid, born again. So, and they would share the gospel. Sometimes I felt like it was like a, you go to a dinner party, and then before you leave, all of a sudden you realize we can't go home. A couple reasons we can't go home. We were foolish enough to come early, and we can't get our car out of the driveway. How many of you strategically think about that when you go to someone's house? We have some people, and they're going to remain nameless, although they're right over here, that live on an island. You ain't going home till they give you a ride to the shore. Think about that. But it was like, the, it's time to go home, and, and you're, you're tired, right? My, my wife's grandfather used to say, honey, I'm gonna go to bed so these people can go home. <laughs> but sometimes I felt like I'd be sitting in church and I thought the service was over and then all of a sudden we'd have an Amway meeting. Right? Some multi-level marketing scheme to be presented over coffee and I'm saying, to my, that was what the gospel was to me. I thought I was out of here. I thought I had dodged that gospel bullet. We had these guys in college, they called them the God Squad. All they wanted to do was pray with me and share the gospel and get me saved, you know. Man, I dodged them. Like, I came in different exits of the building. They were waiting on me in the lobby. I I dodged them for a long, long time. But I'm not gonna do that today. I'm just gonna straight up tell you out of respect for you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I have every intent of coming after you. And I don't apologize. Because I know the truth will set you free. Uh, That's probably thirty five minutes out. Gives you a couple couple things you can do. Hit the door in thirty or sooner. Or ask the Lord. So is this guy for real? Are you talking to me today? Because I have a feeling he's, talking on, he's knocking on the door of your heart and I don't wanna amway you into the kingdom. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you need to know that God's in high pursuit of your soul today. It's okay, it's because he loves you. He loves you. Consider yourself warned. Get your heart, ready. It's gonna be a good day. If you could have all the wrapping paper you needed and all the sufficient tape and all the most beautiful bow and bows in the world and you could wrap something up, anything, doesn't matter what it is or what it costs and give it to America as a happy birthday gift, what would it be? Think about it, what is America in need of more than anything? And if you could just singularly wrap it up and hand it to America, what would it be? Anybody got any ideas? Unity. Okay, that's a good one. Who else? Passion. Truth. I saw a Bible go up. What else? God. Wisdom. Boy, you think we need wisdom? <laughs> just kidding. That wasn't near as funny as this comic act we had earlier today. <laughs> Love, ooh. Yeah. Anybody else? Let's get it out. Sanity. Sanity. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's stop with that one. <laughs> Sanity from the Russian visitor over here, am I right? No, you're right, Mike, Sanity. Proverbs thirty four, fourteen, thirty four 34 says this righteousness righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people maybe what we've said collectively if you could boil it down really is when you get to love you get to sanity you get to wisdom you get to truth you get to faith and all of these things that we would gladly give america Really, I guess the result is really what you're giving them is Christ, who is love, who is the embodiment of wisdom, who is clarity, not sanity, the mind of Christ. So if you could wrap anything up and give it to America, it would be Christ. If Christ could receive the gift, then we'd have the unity we need, the purpose, the direction, the mission, clarity, and the wisdom. No doubt about that. So we also have righteousness. So righteousness means to be right with God. Really, I mean, it's an oversimplification. I got a $50,000 doctoral degree, and I think after the 50 grand was, the last check was cash, it's basically righteousness means to be right with God. And justification means justified, never done anything. I don't know why we paid all that money for that, but uh, we did. So... America needs righteousness found only in Christ to be right with the Father th- through the Son, though we are a sin and a reproach to, to God. That, that really is it. If you wanna be right with God, to use a Southern term, then you need Christ. Christ makes you right with God because without Christ, you, you and I are wrong with God. With Christ, we are right with God because he has taken our sin our reproach, and he has paid that debt that you and I cannot pay. So we're right with God. Our account is settled with God. We're, we're right with him in a spiritual sense, a sinful sense, a financial sense. Our account is right with God. Though we owe him everything, Christ paid our punishment for our sin. So if we give America Christ America is right with God, although God did not die for a nation. Let me make that clear. God didn't die for America. God died for Americans. And there is a difference. Let's not get that confused. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin. No sin. Our representative walked the face of the earth and did not sin. We say he got angry. Anger is not a sin. He didn't sin. He he represented you and I as a human being, and he lived without sin. Therefore, when he pays the penalty for our sin, he's a righteous offering to God. It's it makes sense, the value's there. Yes, to be righteous we need to be in Christ, and Christ needs to be in us. We need the life of Christ and Christ's life. Duncan Campbell, I like Duncan Campbell. He goes way back into the 1950s. He said, the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men or women, but by men and women in our churches becoming filled with God. Everybody's freaking out about the number of people in church today. From time to time, I'm one of them. My greatest concern is the younger generation. They're leaving the church regularly and often. And we need our churches filled with God. We need our churches filled with the Word of God so that God feels comfortable in the church and not like a stranger. That's another issue for another time. John 6 and 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Listen, I... I know what the deal is. This is the biggest weekend of the year. Um, This is the weekend uh, when more people are in town. This is the weekend when the internet is the slowest. There's a prayer request. This is the weekend when your phone calls drop. And this is the weekend when you really have to go the speed limit. Because some of you are eating crackers and Dramamine as you go down the mountain. For every curve causes you to want to get it. So this is the week that we both love our visitors. And to be honest with you, we love our visitors. (laughs) This is it. And I know that. It's cool to drop by a church when you're in town, and I know you come from other churches. Some of you, maybe not. Maybe somebody dragged you over here, or maybe you came for the uh, dead pork we're gonna have for lunch. Maybe that was it. But fact of the matter is, like I said in our opening prayer, we need the life of Christ. We need something bubbling up within us. We need the we need effervescence of Christ. We don't need an association with the kingdom of God, an association with the church. We don't need an association with a denomination. We don't need a name on a piece of paper in the, in the late 1960s. We're hanging our salvation on that. We need the effervescence, bubbling up, living water, life of Christ, the bread of life, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but if you don't, you're in the right place because you gotta be hungry in this world for Christ. He's the bread of life. You have to develop a taste for him. Some of you develop a taste for different kinds of wine or different kinds of beer. Well, Jesus is the same. He's a bread. And you gotta develop a taste for that bread because it's satisfying and it's filling. Uh, This young boy we're praying for, Barrett, They can't get enough calories in his body for his body to heal the burns. So they gotta put a a feeding tube in to get calories in him. Well, in a spiritual sense, it's the same way. We have to eat of Christ. We become more like what we eat, the lamb of God. We have to eat the word of God. Don't come over here, please, once a year. And do your duty to go to a church and spent 364 days not in the Word, not grazing, not chewing, not digesting the Word of God. I know what happens when you go back to your churches. Some of them are lame. Lame. How do I know? You tell me. Every Sunday, I wish my church and such and such would use the Bible. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. The spiritual calories are there. See, the effervescence, the bubbling up of Christ, the the nudging of the spirit, the life of Christ in a man, in a woman, you get through the afternoon and you can hear it. You turn the TV down just a little bit, you can hear it. I need to spend a few minutes in the word. Where's my Bible? God's telling me. He's gonna talk to me. He's gonna show me something. Where's my Bible? And sometimes it's just this and never this. It's a bread of life. The life of Christ in a man or a woman is a nudging, it's a wooing, it's a romance. It's a come on, come on, just a few minutes. I just need a few minutes. I just want a few minutes. I could do so much with just a few minutes. Can you give me a few minutes? It's like God is begging this country, begging us to open the book. Pleading with us. He's bleeding, now he's pleading with us. I just need a few minutes. A thief comes to only to kill, steal, and destroy, and I've come that you might have life, life, life. The Zoe life of God. It's energy, it's passion, it's insight, it's a hunger. It's not, you don't feed your belly, you feed your spirit. Your spirit man needs to exercise and run and soar and fly, man. You gotta, you gotta take the word and you gotta, in the middle of the day when you're most hectic, take the phone off the hook. Airplane mode, that's why God created airplane mode. Gosh, I call you people and you answer the phone all the time, that's a problem. Shut the door to your office. Go park in a parking lot. Open the book, The Life of Christ. How am I running my business today? God, speak to me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Please don't leave here thinking that you making a decision after catechism when you were a teenager or you stood up when you were 35 or you accepted Christ and no change has happened in your life whatsoever. Hello. That's a problem. That's a problem. The omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient King of Kings has come to inhabit your soul and you notice no difference? The life of Christ. Sometimes I get up and I think to myself, it's possible, it is possible I'm mentally ill. I I could be mentally ill and not know it. I get up in the morning and I go, oh my gosh. Christ in me, the hope of glory, I get so jacked up. Like I get to sit down and like I have two hours when no one's gonna interrupt. And I'm thinking to myself, man, look around me, look what I have, look at the opportunity, look at the blessing, look at the ministry. What a privilege. I'm like, I want more of Christ. I wanna know Christ, a power is resurrection and the fellowship of sharing and suffering. I think I might be a lunatic because nobody else seems to understand what I'm talking about half the time. I don't know, maybe I am but I'm enjoying it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are you living a life worth dying for? (laughs) We went to this uh, Japanese restaurant the other day, which is no easy feat. We've been there three or four times. And we walk in, and the, the waitress recognizes us because, you know, we've been there a few times, so. So they have these menu items like dinner A, B, C, or D. And my wife orders D. And she goes, like D isn't dog? And I and I looked up and I said, that's not dog in the dish, is it? Are you serious? She goes, Oh no, 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 she says. Oh, that's funny, that's funny. She goes, no, 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 Asian restaurant, no dog, no dog. <laughs> my wife's looking at me like, you fool. Like, don't say another word. Quiet, you can't talk like that in a place like this. The lady's laughing her head off. I know, she, my wife says, oh my gosh. She went home, I know that lady laughed on the way home. I know she did, I know she did. Every day we got to be bringing somebody some sort of sense of joy, even if it's, even if it's about D for Dahl. Who are you impacting on any level with the life of Christ? I think Jesus thought that was funny. Funnier than Selma Thomas's jokes. <laughs> Duncan Campbell, there's a kind of gospel being proclaimed today which conveniently accommodates itself to the spirit of this age. I'm going to say that again. I want you to catch up. There's a gospel being preached today that conveniently accommodates itself with the spirit of this age and makes no demand for godliness. If you you have a seeker-friendly movement that lasts long enough, you'll be so... Appetizing to the seeker, but you will have withheld the need to live under the lordship of Christ. So let me not ambush you with some sort of ridiculous, deluded gospel. I'm gonna invite you to receive Jesus Christ today. It is about grace, it is about mercy, it is about love, it is about forgiveness, it is about the free gift, it is about him dying for you, it's about you having eternal life, it's not about him leaving you on your own. But for heaven's sakes, it is a call to something beyond where you are. It is a call to holiness. It is a call to a higher level of life. It is a call to transcending the common, the base, the sexual immorality of our age. It is a call to something beyond yourself. He doesn't meet you where you are and you don't ever leave where you're at. It's a call upward. To, holiness, to, ma- to, to live in a life that matters, that impacts other people, that's a witness of his presence. It's challenging, it's, it's not easy. Sometimes people don't like you. Look at me, can you imagine how many people don't like me? <laughs> I sort of hope it continues. Maybe that means I'm doing something right. To call to holiness, not legalism, not religiosity, You know what the beautiful, most beautiful dance going on in the world today? Before people ever existed, the most beautiful dance was before creation. You you wanna know why there's a Trinity? There's a Father and a Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is love and love needs an object. The Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father and the Spirit is the music that comes out of that celebration. A better dance for you and I is to sing about his sweet breath in our lungs, to sing about his nearness, to allow him to whisper to you, here's a dance most people Avoid rather than get on the dance floor when the spirit of God begins to dance over you, and out of love, convicts you of your sin. Yeah, and God cares enough. He said, "Child, come." Come back. Come back. It's not about whether he'll forgive you. It's about whether he's going to miss you. This isn't, I'm not, i am not preaching some ogre, some curmudgeon. I'm not preaching the discipline of your father or grandfather. I'm preaching Christ crucified, compassionate, tender tender-hearted, tender mercies. He has affection, and he misses you. You're far away. He's been missing you for a long time. He's missing you more than you're missing him, and he's the type of God that stands on the driveway and waits for you to come back. Maybe this is the driveway this morning. 14.8, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, die to the Lord. Let me read that again, but let me, let me read it the way we live it sometimes. For if we live, we live for our spouse, we live for our family, we live to provide for our family. We live to run a business. Every one of those things is noble, noteworthy. None of them will get you into heaven. Christ is the priority. He is number one. And through him, all those things in your marriage, in your family, and your children and your grandchildren flow. Let me give you another one. For if we live, we live for our nation. We die for our nation. Those of you who served in the military, you understand what I'm saying. You, you served your country. And thank God, more and more now, you're hearing it more and more often, anywhere you go. I went to Lowe's the other day, tried to find a parking spot. Veterans, veterans of the Korean conflict, Korean war, Vietnam. I I had to park at Waffle House. There were so many parking spots for veterans and pregnant women that me, just an ordinary dude, I had to park at the the Waffle House and schlep my deck boards across the parking lot. Not really. We love our veterans. We like it. I love it when people say, thank you for serving. I had a... (laughs) I had a shirt on the other day that said uh, Marine Corps Marathon. I ran in it some years ago. Wrote him a check for like $35 and I got a $40 shirt. And the lady at Lowe's says, Thank you for serving. <laughs> no one's ever said that to me before. I didn't know what to say. <sighs> so I didn't say anything. <laughs> is that a sin? I think it is. I think it was I think it is. I think it is a sin. Sure. One of many that day, I think, as I recall. All paid for. All paid for. For if we live, we live for our country. And if we die, we die for our country. It's not what it says. For if we live, we live for the Lord, to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. You've said it hundreds. Of times to pledge allegiance, one nation under God. We must take ourselves in hand, school ourselves, especially our wills, into a greater fitness for the serious business of living as Christian workers, of being ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So let me me give you an example and we'll wrap this up and we'll have fun, as if this isn't. (laughs) This is an interesting time in our history. Nearly 50 years ago, the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, was overturned almost 50 years later. If someone would have ever told me that would happen, I would go, okay, that's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of times when it didn't look like that was gonna happen, but it did. I always thought if it did happen, or when it happens, by faith, there's gonna be a lot of uh, celebration. Not really, it's just, just another day, really. And I thought, what? Well, it didn't really go down the way I thought it would. I mean, the original thought was if it was ever overturned, there wouldn't be any more abortions. Not that I'm not glad it wasn't overturned. I think that really, that says something, says something to ourselves and to the world where, where some of us are at it. Yeah, I get that. But I've thought about this a lot. There's a lot of questions to be answered. Abortions were on the decline. What were gonna happen now? Are they gonna continue to decline? You would think so. No one really knows what the effect's gonna be. We don't know how it's gonna shake out. We really don't. After 50 years of activism and protest, and 50 years as an incredible disgrace annihilation of of human babies so what happens now what's the what's the verdict what's the victory what's the win here okay this now it's up to the states so what's the win where do we go here what's going to happen i don't know we'll see but i thought about it some more listen our wins our wins, if you want to look at it that way, have to be different than we look at them. If you take a bunch of people of faith, there is, there is a, in each person's mind, not everyone's the same in the kingdom of God. You know this. In each person's mind, Dependent on who you wanted to win an election, you would either have a political win or a political loss. And that, that really is decided in a 15 to 45 minute period of time on the first Tuesday of November. Dependent on what you wanted going in, you either had a political win or a political loss. People all over this land watched the Supreme Court. They either saw a judicial win or a judicial loss depending on a person's perspective. Now, there are ramifications for every decision, no matter what they were. And there are movements and backlashes and all kinds of adjustments made on political and judicial levels. There's lobbying and jockeying that takes place for the next 50 years. But you only really had one opportunity to weigh into that situation, and that's called a vote. So so who won? Well, the people who won are the one who cast a vote in one different area, and who lost? The people who voted differently. That's a win or a lose there. And that changes over time. But when when a group of people called the Church of Jesus Christ, when the evangelical, born-again believer, Bible-thumping, hopefully life of Christ in you, hopefully you act like Christ, and Christ acts like Christ, through you in your everyday life. Those people, if you accentuate a political win too often or a judicial win too often, if they, as important as they are, if they become too important, I'll tell you what happens. We get this fog, Uh, what, what is going on here? What are we all about? What's happening? You know what happens? You don't win souls. Somebody has to have the spiritual fortitude to stand up in a place like this and say, those are great wins and they may be terrible losses dependent on how you wanted it to come out, but we're all about winning souls. Why does that have to be said? Does that not bother you? Do do you not see the slow indoctrination of the prioritization of one thing over the other. And then look at the ministry of Jesus. Here's the way it should be. On the first Tuesday of November, don't win any souls. On the other 364 days a year, win souls. What's pro-life? Think, 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 please think. If there's fewer abortions and there's more babies born, there's more unwanted babies born. There's more unwanted babies being born in unwanted homes or homes without the resources. What's the win? Where's the army of parents willing to adopt? That's activism. That's faith without works is dead. Where's the church? We'll start with this one. Who's willing to say, says somebody in the body of Christ, if you want to adopt, we're gonna help you. We're gonna collectively adopt an un- otherwise unwanted baby and fund the adoption. Let's do what we say, let's do what we preach. Let's continue as we have to minister to those women who are hurting all of that, but we cannot afford to have eight, 10, 12 million unwanted babies born, which is great. But unwanted. You see, it takes a little thought. Are we thinking? Are we winning souls? Are we meeting needs? Are we mobilizing the body of Christ? Or are we determining our success and failure when an 11 o'clock news report calls the election? There's a place for civic duty. I totally get that. But there's more to it than meets the eye. We are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Christ. There has to be something unique about us from the rest of the world. There has to be. Or what are we, is it a sham? There has to be action with, pro-life has to be not just, it has to be throughout the life. It has to always be that, I'm sorry. It's it's, it's, this, I'm bringing somebody into this, maybe I shouldn't, Jesus. And this is me. This is me. This is the way I think. That's incredible that these babies are going to be born. You know what I think of? I don't know. Pray for me. I don't want them perishing without Christ. I don't want them growing up without Christ. I don't. I'm, I'm, I think about that. That weighs heavy on me. I don't want anybody to leave here outside of Christ. The calling that we have in our life as a born-again Christian is complex. We have to think in ways other people don't think. We have to think in line with the word. We have to think the way God thinks. We have to care about what God cares about. Of course he wants the babies born. But well, 20 years from now, he wants them in heaven too. If we're perceived by the secular world as a group of people who have an opinion on a matter and and raise a lot of cane to get it successfully passed, fine. I got news for you. We should be incredibly involved in the election of our officials. We should be incredibly involved in the election of our legislators and the people to make laws. We should be actively pursuing righteousness in every area of of our culture. But somebody needs to have the spiritual courage to say, Could you please wake up? God failed at the law changing a human heart. He failed miserably. 39 books, he couldn't get the people to adhere to the law until he brought one who came to fulfill it. There it is. We've gotta point people to Christ. And you already answered, what does America need? What would you wrap up? Christ. America needs proper, righteous, godly legislation, but not as bad as they need Christ. God cannot legislate my heart. I won't let him. He commands me to do things and I do the opposite. W- what do we think? That somehow we can do something he didn't do it or do it in a way more successful than him? No, we gotta get down in the trenches. We gotta get down where people are. We gotta get in the mess of ministry. Let's have our vocalists come up. We've gotta go to where they are. We gotta figure it out. I do not take lightly the proximity I have to the people in this room. You represent more than Highlands and Cashers. You represent Boca Raton, Fort Myers, Pensacola, Destin, Louisiana. There may even be somebody from Mississippi here. And you go back to where you came from with a thought in your head that might just be a small little seed that gets a little bit of water and a little bit of light. And we might see ourselves take off in certain areas and reap a harvest souls, souls, souls. The people who work the closest with abortion-minded or vulnerable women know what I'm talking about. Eventually, it's gotta be Christ in these people just like it had to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Granted, a heavy topic for an otherwise light and celebratory day, but pertinent nonetheless. I've got two questions for you. For those who believe, what are you doing about winning souls? Your answer and my answer should concern me more than the fact that I asked it. You should be more concerned if I didn't ask the question because it's the right one. Secondly, about a half an hour ago, I, I asked you to evaluate your heart and maybe see Do I really know this Christ of whom he speaks am I really saved it's more important than that nothing you know what it's like to have the life of Christ in you wash over you like liquid love and warmth, meet a day knowing you're going to spend every minute with him? He's that near and he's that alive, my friend. Do you know what it's like to feel the absence of the weight of your own sin and the lightheartedness of knowing you're forgiven? Do you know what blessings God has for you and waits for you? And I know you don't know this. How many things have not come your way that he has kept from you because you weren't yet ready to handle it? There's a God up there that loves you so much. There's the sickness that never befell you. There's the accident that never happened. Patiently waited for you. And all he really wants to do is love you. In such a way that you understand you're being loved. He loves you anyway. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to experience that. Is there anyone here? Maybe not, I don't. Is anyone here that, so you know, I need that. I need that nearness to him. I need that forgiveness. I need Jesus. Just like, America, just like America, just like everybody else in the room. Is anybody hear that? Says, yeah, I need that, Jesus. Pray for me, because I will. Is anyone here? Raise your hand so I can see it. Thank you. All right, my friend, you. Yeah. You see where I'm coming from? And let me tell you why you raised your hands, not because of me. Because God had preordained it. And he's been looking forward to today because today was the day you're gonna be introduced. Today was the day you, you were, you were gonna invite him into your heart. So I'm gonna lead a prayer for you in the back. You to think about the words, make them your own. Follow my lead, Lord. It's uh, it's me. And I've acknowledged that I, before these people that I need you, but I need to tell you that I need you. And as you know, I'm not perfect. Guess your word is I'm a sinner. I know everyone is, but I'm acknowledging that before you today. I am a sinner, and that sin left left unchecked is going to kill me, or my relationships, or my heart, or my life. It it sorrows me. It really does. I acknowledge that your son died on a cross and demonstrated a love for me while I was yet a sinner. Provided me with what I needed today and I call upon that blood to cover my sin. Settle my account. I confess my sin to you and I ask you to forgive me and make me clean. I don't want to keep living the way I am. I want to enjoy the life you have for me. I want you to call me to something beyond myself. I want to repent and turn away from where I've been. And I'm going to need your help. And I'm going to need a church. And I'm going to need some encouragement. And I'm going to need someone to help me teach me. Will you do that for me, please? But I acknowledge that Jesus Christ... I want him to be my Lord, and I give you my heart today. I give you my mind. I give you my past, present, and future. Be my Savior, please, and be my Lord, please. I invite you into my heart. Take up residence and reveal yourself to me. I I really want to get to know you. I really want to get to know you. Be my friend. Be my friend in mine yours. And I yours. In Jesus' name, give me a hunger for your word and give me a longing for you more than anything I've ever had before. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good for you, young man. Good for you. Come see me this afternoon. We're going to get you hooked up with what exactly it is you need to walk the steps that God has for you. Think about these things as we worship.